Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My <laughs> name is Emilio Diaz, and I'm joined by uh, Andy Germuga and Jesse Catherine Weber. I'm yeah. I'm always confused was what to do when someone else takes the reins of that. But uh, good sure. on you for yeah. uh, ending that previous conversation, Emilio. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I yeah. mean. I'm surprised you'd be confused by it, Andy, because you always have to. I mean, you're always in response. It's not like sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm you're I'm in. usually second, yeah. but like oh, usually are. Jesse is doing it, and so oh, I'm sure, right. right, yeah. So I'm like usually after first, Jesse. Also, um, there's like two rules, and I'm like, which rule do I follow? I am see. I after Jesse or I am see. I second? Like, yeah. That anyway, makes sense. I'm sure I did, that's very I know. I, br- I briefly considered jumping in, but I figured. We'll stick with alphabetical. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I just assume, yeah. like, yeah, whoever I, like, since I did Jesse's part, Jesse now takes my place, which is sure. after Andy. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Berlin today. We yep. sure are. Berlin's over. They uh, yep. gave out a bunch of awards. I watched, like, yep. the first half of that ceremony, and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, and I stopped watching. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yep. You know. I was uh, out to lunch when it started, and then I think it was just about over. I did see uh, some of the red carpet, where it appeared that it was very cold, sure. but that they still like had them take off their coats for photo ops. Uh, like, mm. I specifically saw Kristen Stewart arriving, and I think it was her and like and a bunch of the jury were like coming in together, and like she, yeah, there was like she would hand her coat to her assistant or whatever. A bunch of people would call out her name, and they would take some photos. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she'd put sure. the, the coat back on to move towards the next uh-huh. station. All right. Well, yeah. Let's. We'll let's get to. We'll get there. New, yeah. Let, I was gonna say. Let's do news that isn't related to Berlin first. Uh, so we can start with, I guess, a brief, um, just release date announcement. Another one, which is the Human Flowers of Flesh, a movie that me and Cullen have seen, and I think both quite like. Is being released by Cinema Guild on April 14th. Uh, so, you know, that's just keeping people up to date on when they might be able to see things. Cinema Guild is a distributor who does a great job on their website of having uh, different theatrical play dates outlined on the pages for all the films. Uh, and then we've got one more uh, non. Berlin piece of news, which is that uh, the news continues to have us looking ahead to Cannes, uh, which is that, of course, we have uh, our jury president for this year. That's right, uh, baby! And, you know, kind of an inevitable one, I think. Oh. You, I mean, there are people who have won the Palme d'Or twice and haven't yeah. done it, maybe, but I think there's got to be, like, some kind of yeah. reason. Like, I, I, is Ken Loach, like, politely turned them down or something? Like, has he never done it or something? Oh, I guess I haven't thought about Loach. Yeah, Loach, I don't think, has done it. I know. You don't Haneke remember hearing about the Loach hasn't. jury, for for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no. Haneke also hasn't done it. So, right. I bet he rudely yeah. turned them down, though, whereas I'm sure Loach yeah. was very polite in his turning them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about, of course, Ruben Osborne. Ruben! Last year. Yeah, that's what it says in the uh, news document. Big Ruben, with an exclamation <laughs> mark. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, I certainly if you had asked me, like, name a person who will be the president of the jury in the next five years, Ruben Oslin would have been the pick there. I sure. wouldn't necessarily guess that it would have been this year. Especially because I feel like there were a lot of women who it seemed like were mm. in contention last year. Who sure just like couldn't work it out schedule wise uh you know i might have guessed that they would turn back in that direction you know go to penelope cruz again this is also a year where it looks more likely than usual that marion cotillard will not have a movie uh that she is acting in in competition so there are not a ton of years where they could ask her to do it 
Right. Uh, and she's someone who, you know, has an iconic uh, Oscar-winning French actor would make a lot of sense. But sure. we got Ruben Oslin, seems like a prime Ruben. candidate for the uh, Tim Burton, uh, not at least in the juncture of their career at which they did it, a good director, but uh, gives the problem to an excellent film. Uh, the Burton Jury, of course, is um, a Peter Hunger, it's ethical, uh, Uncle Boon Me uh, one. Right. Uh, you know, you've got Sam Mendes giving the Golden Lion to Lab Diaz. Uh, you know, a common, common thing. And then, you know, on the other end, you've got everyone was like, ooh, George Miller's doing it, that's fun. And then you get, uh, the second Ken Loach palm. Or you get, ooh, Lucretia Martel. What a cool choice. And you get the Joker lion. That's right. So, we'll see. We'll see what Big Ruben does. Sure. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and then we'll see if he uh, incorporates any of his experiences into the movie after the next one that he makes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah, even the next one. After the... Yeah, he's we get, did he's, get he's, the... Yeah, he's getting a great platform to give quotes about his new movie. That's right. Ha- <laughs> Something we've been covering pretty yeah, extensively I mean, on Can did, I Kick It, I feel. Right, how I much mean, Ruben Austin get... loves to just tell you the plot of his next movie. Right, I mean, we got a little uh, new little tidbit where he said that there's a, a five-minute-long scene in which uh, a little boy waits for his turn to use an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so there's third palm on the way baby he, yeah not only will he tell you the whole plot he'll also give you a very granular specific <laughs> all the little beats that he's got in his head yeah. it's good. I, tr- yeah. I truly i truly hope that the kid is just chill and it's just like a siming long just like <laughs> slow cinema right. just like steady shot just he like picks really up like man. the the like safety guide that's in the seat in front of him and uh-huh. like looks at yeah. it but doesn't read it and then puts it back like yeah yeah he gets the and ipad then... and it's like you know what i think i'm good we will absolutely co-write your next movie with you certainly certainly um and then yeah let's let's go ahead and real quick before we get into the awards just finish up the balance of that screen grid that we were talking about last week and maybe let's start actually both with the movie that is uh at the bottom of the entire grid and also with the only update to last week's scores which is that the uh empty space for bad living was filled in by the only zero on the entire grid making bad living the only movie with a score below a two uh now at a 1.7 again a movie i think is pretty good uh yeah weird to consider uh in isolation from its companion piece sure i did there was uh you know i I think i talked about the german poll i'd looked at uh that doesn't have the aggregate scores my attention was directed to a polish poll that does have aggregate scores i believe those were at a five and Bad Living was either at or near the top of that. Wow, so, divisive. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, I mean, then going I believe the, to... the person on this grid who gave it a three, the highest score it got is a Polish crit. Maybe the Polish sure. just love it. Uh, no, it is, uh, or am I reading correctly? What's that? Uh, oh, no, you're, you're right. You're right. I was in the wrong column. Yeah. One for the polls. Love it when a filmmaker decides yep. to make Barbara one for the polls. <laughs> sure. Pokemon goes to the polls. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, you you know, uh, not having a ton of, like, context for necessarily where it falls in. I feel like mostly what I've been hearing is that it does just kind of fall into, like, traditions of Portuguese cinema. Uh, sure. And I think that's... Uh, you know, there, there are direct connections between Kenny and some of the uh, previous days Portuguese masters. Uh, but yeah, going down to, uh, we do have, 
I'm noticing an interesting typographical decision, which is that we talked about there there were a couple of movies that it were at two point zero last week. Yes. Uh, the Garel and the Kaniho. But now tied we have presumably tied, we've got just a two flat. No right. decimal. Although the Garel still has the point zero on this grid. Yep, that's right. Uh so we've, we've got a 2 and a 2.0, uh, the 2 being Till the End of the Night, uh, which is Christoph Hochhausler's film. German director hasn't made a feature in a while. Uh, did, you know, the trilogy of uh, Dryleben, that's uh, Petzl, Dominic Graf, who did Fabian, and then Hochhausler. Uh, but yeah, it... Uh, his new movie did, uh, we'll get, we, we will return to it a little later, but I, you know, it had the, like, oh, it played at the end of the festival, not a lot of people saw it thing. Um, and then at 2.1, we've got Limbo, the second of two Australian films in competition, mm-hmm. which even that, I think was kind of, you know, all, I think all five of these movies were a little like, oh, a lot of people had left by this point. Sure. Uh, and so then the three uh, that are tied at 2.7, right. which is... One Among of the, the higher scores, scores on the whole grid, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, is there's the two animated features, neither of which won anything. Uh, Suzume, the Shinkai film that uh, had been released in Japan last year, and that I think is coming out in the United States in April, and then Art College yep. 1994 uh, by Lu John, Chinese film. But were you going to say something, Emilio? No, just uh. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, we they we love a film about a girl falling in love with a chair. Sure. I know that. I don't know if I do. Do I don't know if I've ever seen one, I so mean, I can't say whether I love it or not. A girl falling in love with a chair. Is that what happens in the puffy chair? Haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't either. It's, you know, certainly possible. Um, And then the other film at 2.7, maybe we can just use to segue into our final discussion of uh, the competition and the winners, which is that the other 2.7 is On the Adamant, the Nicholas Philibert documentary, which won the Golden Bear. Uh, which makes two straight, uh, documentaries that have won these, uh, three big European awards, uh, after all the beauty and bloodshed at Venice, would be That's somewhat right. surprised if there is even a documentary in competition at can, but... They should try. They should try for it. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I feel like the, if, if Lucretia Martel finishes her documentary, that would be the one that's, like, you could see that happening. Um, you know, there's other, you know, other people, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine Frederick Wiseman would be finished, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll get to some more documentaries later on in this episode that I think sure. are excellent and could well have been in competition at Berlin or Cannes or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yeah, for now, uh, we've got a new Golden Bear. It definitely sounded like, not that they were, like, trying to damn it with faint praise necessarily, but there was a lot of, like, this is the movie that everyone agreed is good, which I feel like also is borne out in, like, looking at all the different uh, critic scores of, like, not only is, like, every grid that you can look like have a positive aggregate for this documentary it's also like not comprised of any negative scores so it is you know they ended up going with the this is what will satisfy everyone uh moving down to the uh grand jury prize that went to christian petzel for his film a fire mm-hmm uh, you know, a Berlin stalwart still does not have a bear. Uh, I, I feel like well, there have been a few of those. He's got a silver uh, bear. Still does not have a, right, he still doesn't have a golden bear. I feel like there have been a few of those giving the second prize to people who have now had a lot of uh, films in competition at Berlin and still mm-hmm. didn't have the golden one yet. I, I think 
Hong, if not last year, in one of the recent years, was in that same position. Uh, the jury prize, then, the non-Graham jury prize, went to Bad Living, uh, so there were at least some partisans. Right. And you and you said jury. that they had made them see the other part, yes. right? Yes, so, they yeah. had the, both juries had to see both. Uh, the Encounters one did not win anything, uh... But yeah, and then uh, Best Director went to Philippe Garel. That feels like a classic, uh, you know, big director wins the director award. Uh, the two acting awards went to uh, Sophia Otero uh, for 20,000 Species of Bees. Uh, so the, the child lead of that. Uh, and then the supporting performance award went to Taya Ere. For Till the End of Night, the aforementioned Hockhausler film. Uh, this is, I would have to imagine, the first time that both acting awards at one of these festivals have gone to actors playing trans characters, uh, also both to uh, women playing trans women. Uh, so that is whether those movies are, you know good or good representation or not that is like nice to see at least a little bit uh one that i heard a lot of like oh this is an interesting award to give this movie is uh angela shanalek won best screenplay and i think like she has talked about like she does not write screenplays in a traditional style it is just like these are the shots that I want, and much more, like, gestural descriptions, um, than, like, actual dialogue. And I think Radu Jude in the press conference said that they specifically wanted to award that and explode the idea of what a screenplay is. So it sounds like he might have been the person advocating oh boy. for that award. Um, and then they did, uh, I think there's usually, uh, a silver bear for outstanding artistic contribution that quite often goes to a cinematographer, though I think I've maybe seen it go to composers or... Sure. Maybe those are the two K. Anyway, it went to Haley Lovar, uh, who is known for, uh, shooting Eliza Hittman and Alicia Rohrwacher's movies, uh, who shot Disco Boy, which is the, uh... Franz Rogowski starring film. Uh, that's a first film by Giacomo Abruzzesi. Uh, which the Lost Daughter at... also. Right, yes. She also did that. Uh, Disco Boy is going to be at New Directors New Films in the spring uh, at MoMA and Film at Lincoln Center. As well as Totem, which was also in competition. Uh, and I, I read, I believe it was uh, the article was like two award winners from the Berlin competition will be in new directors new films and I was like did uh, Totem win an award though it was one of the more acclaimed films I think I was slightly surprised it hadn't uh, and the award that it was referring to is that Totem of course won the prize uh, in the competition from the ecumenical jury which we always love to hear about uh, they, in fact, gave an award to, uh, they didn't give an Encounters Award, which is interesting because that is the other competitive section. They did give awards in Panorama and Forum, which are not competitive sections, and then they also gave a special mention to On the Adamant. Yes. Uh, which I believe was awarded before the official awards were handed out. But anyway, uh -huh. unless anyone has any other... Uh, overarching or specific thoughts about the competition. Yeah, I will just say it is interesting that like that past lives didn't get anything, being the one that was like sure. high and away like the highest rated on the right. critics grid that we were looking at, and has seemed to be extremely well received. Uh, I don't know if it was just like oh it played at Sundance yeah. bias or if there was there's more. It played to it at than Sundance that. and also has distribution. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that's even sure. bigger. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we can move on to 
some of the other sections. I guess if we maybe want to start with Encounters, then we can just get into the the film that won Best Film for that section. Sure. Which both me and Andy have seen. Right. And that is Here, directed by Bas DeVos. Yes. Uh, which is a movie I like quite a bit. Sure. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh... It's been several days since I watched it, so now I am trying to recall. Sure. What did I, I, I can, like about you know, it? Speak on that. What did you like about just... it? I mean, I can just say <laughs> that what it is, is it's a film uh, set in... It's set in Brussels, I believe. Right. Uh, but starring two uh, immigrants. I was never even clear on where the main guy is from, though he talks to his mother about going home, and it's clear that it's another European country. Right, and his sister. Uh, and then he meets... Yeah. Right, and his sister is also in Brussels. Um, yeah, I, you know, the reason that I'm like, oh, obviously it's somewhere in Europe is because he's planning to drive back home. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, there's a woman who he meets, uh, who is a uh, a Chinese woman who uh, teaches at a school uh, college, and I, I forget even what the like scientisty you know yeah name. she studies she like studies mosses. moss yeah yes and... mosses so not a, quite yeah. a botanist right uh, something more specific than a biologist I do like uh, her uh, yeah. her uh, introductory scene too where she's like. There's a student, like, she's had given her students an assignment yes. to, like, make up their own species of some sort of yes. plant life, uh-huh. which is a, yeah, a, fun, was very... a fun scene. Yes, yes, I like um, that a lot. Yes, yeah, I'm now sort of, sort, it's it's coming back into focus what this movie was. I, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it's good. I, you know, it's a lot of, like scenes in like empty restaurants was like something that really struck me about Uh it was that it's like it has like some of that like covid feels where it's like Uh there's not a lot of people around but also like there's a plot justification for it in that it's like it's a holiday weekend and so like everyone's like going out of town or whatever so you sort of understand yeah. the weather and the weather's bad at some points and you see yeah there's a lot of scenes mm-hmm. in empty restaurants and on public transportation is like my I remember yeah. those are my like two big takeaways from it was like these are like good places to set these things and like there's there, I feel like there's a lot of like thematic muscle to to both those things um yeah. uh in 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 the work you know it's one of those where it's like yeah there's a plot yeah like yeah it, and yeah there's characters but it is like very like contemplative and like thoughtful and yes um you know is, is the yeah. sort of thing that would show up at at a at in a in a at a festival in in a sidebar like this where it's like you know you certainly you... though i think also like specifically to me like recalled some of those directors who have ultimately gone on to not even yeah. be in sidebars like i you know i thought of very cool i think in like very similar ways to how uh the maiden uh, which was in a sidebar at Venice last year, made me think of Vera Sethical. I also, mm-hmm. uh, in the early going of the film, uh, it, it takes a long time before anything is subtitled, and you hear kind of like background dialogue to the point where I was like, oh, is he doing the days thing, where it's just like there's going to be so right. little dialogue, and it'll be of such little importance that he just won't bother subtitling it, which was not the case, and there's certainly... Yeah. You know, there's plenty of dialogue that is clearly subtitled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then I think I also thought of Psy during, like, the, uh, the scene where he's emptying out his refrigerator. There's sure. several scenes in which he's yes. emptying out his refrigerator. And making soups, that he can, yeah. Yeah, leave town for at least the... I think he's got four weeks off, but then he's also like, eh, we'll Europe. see at the end of that. Right, yeah, he's like, maybe I'll yeah. never come back. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, the, yeah, very relatable, the scenes with the emptying out the fridge as someone who, uh, you know, is, is doing a, a, a gig away from, a, a working gig away from my home right now. Sure. Like, trying to, trying to ride out that last week with like, well, what do I have left and, you know, what can I get through with, uh-huh, uh, although he's a uh-huh. much more adept cook than I, where he's like comfortable, like throwing <laughs> a bunch of vegetables together yeah, and making just a throw a everything from, into it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but, but yeah, there's yeah. Also, go ahead. No, it's just and then like yeah, I, I, you know, thinking about like how that like he shares the soup with like the auto repair guy and all that sort of like mm-hmm. yeah, like the the way that food is used throughout this, I think is is really interesting and and worth digging into. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then I think also the, uh, you know, it takes a while for these characters to meet, but I think when that does eventually happen and there is this connection, I find it to be quite moving and there is like a very slightly mystical way in which that happens. There's some seeds that appear in his pocket and I think right. his, uh, search to figure out, uh, what is you know what kind of see you know there are other attempts at which he where he's trying to figure out where they are in which he doesn't quite you know actually have a human connection and so then that he does uh when talking with this woman who is out studying moss uh i i did just find very moving to watch uh, and is you know it's left very ambiguous about uh exactly what what type of connection that was and if there will be any lasting effects on it they, you know they certainly i also just kind of appreciated that like it is a movie that starts with the guy being like oh i'm about to go out of town and then just is the like few days of him uh mm-hmm. preparing to go out of town rather than it actually happening yeah, real uh, waiting for Godot vibes. <laughs> like, when's he gonna go? Where's he gonna go? <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, that's what the program said about uh, Endgame when I went to see it. Is that the opposite sure. of waiting for Godot? When you're like, when is this guy gonna leave? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Though then I I think the uh, director in their notes was like, I'm not so sure that's what it's about. <laughs> um. Uh, a great uh, director program thing to do. But then, yeah. So the other movies that won awards in the Encounter section, it's uh, a smaller slate. Yeah. Uh, so the Best Director Award went to Tatiana Wezo, uh, who had her first fiction film. I believe it was in Director's Fortnight at Cannes, and then in uh, the New York Film Festival main slate, and was... I don't think it was nominated for Best International Film, but maybe made that long list. Uh, Prayers for the Stolen. I know it was Mexico's submission. Yeah, and Prayers uh, for the Stolen when... was like a movie I weirdly like heard all about a lot. I feel like it was a movie a lot of different corners of people tried to Yeah, try I mean, it was on Netflix watch. also. Uh, so that was a, like, it was available. I think it was on Netflix before the end of the year so it was like oh there's this movie that is on the on the long list and that you can watch now uh but yeah this one is a documentary though uh according to a little uh thing i'm hovering over on wikipedia one that includes fictional elements uh called the echo uh and then the uh special jury award uh for encounters was a tie between Samsara by Lois Patino, uh, who's a director that I saw a short uh, that he co-directed with Matias Pinheiro at New York Film Festival a couple of years ago called Sycorax, uh, that was about Sycorax, uh, and in that way I got more of the, like, oh, I clearly see what Matias Pinheiro is bringing to this. I was less, because he's, you know, Shakespeare guy. Uh, that you know, the main thing I heard about Samsara was just people being like, "Oh, this movie is really, really good. Don't read anything about it." Uh, so I was like, "All right, I guess hopefully it's in wavelengths or something. I'll just see it there." Uh, but then the other movie, uh, Orlando, my political biography, that was tied for this special uh, jury award, uh, was directed by Paul B. Preciado, and that movie I did see. Uh, and have a review of published in Interview Online uh, that's available now, uh, so I won't go too in-depth, but that's a movie that I do think is really interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, is continuing what I was talking about. There is a lot of various types of trans representation at this festival. It seems like this is a, a movie that was directed by a trans person and has a, it, it's, you know, a hybrid documentary, but I, I would describe the people in it as a cast uh, of entirely uh, trans and gender nonconforming people uh, that is a 
uh, very loose adaptation of the Virginia Woolf novel. Uh, I think the, the title card says freely adapted from that is, you know, functioning in a ton of different ways. It, you know, the, the subtitle is My Political Biography, and that's kind of how he frames the very beginning impetus of it, and there's some of his biography, but then there's the biographies of all these people, but there's, you know, points at which he's veering more into literary criticism or going more into history. It is like, there are ways in which it feels like, not even necessarily a first feature, but more just like, oh, this is a movie by someone who, like, is very, uh, you know, is coming from outside the field of film. He's been a theorist and writer and philosopher for a very long time, and is just, like, bringing new ideas in that are not, you know, it's not always, like, the most clear filmic representation of these ideas, but it was still quite exciting to watch. Uh, it's one that I, you know, I think is very much worth checking out. And then just, uh, some other highlights from other sections. I mean, Panorama... There's nothing from Panorama that I've seen. There's stuff that was at Sundance, like, uh, passages. I guess the big thing there to note is just that, um, reality, uh, the adaptation of Is This a Room that Sydney Sweeney is in that was directed by the playwright Tina Satter, uh, was picked yes. up by HBO, HBO right. proper, not Max. Right. Uh, and Deadline again, suggested... Yeah. Yeah, Deadline suggested that was for an Emmy campaign this year, so presumably we'll be out sometime yeah, this spring. In, right, in the next two or three months. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there is, uh, that you know, it's nice that it feels like there are a series of these movies that are going to be coming out relatively soon. We've got Past Lives is out at the end of May, Blackberry's out at the very beginning of June, so, like, some of the, it feels like, Cannes is usually like, oh, there's, like, one big one that comes out before the fall festival season. Uh, this, you know, it feels like maybe more and more Berlin is like, oh, let's maybe get some of these just out, like, while there's yeah. some stuff that's still filtering in from last year's fall festival season but also like these movies are new like you know last year we saw both sides of the blade uh have its u.s premiere very quickly at uh rendezvous with french cinema and that same thing is happening with philippe garel though that he i don't think that film has picked up distribution yet so it may not come out over the summer like both sides of the blade did uh, but yeah. Uh, and then I guess the other uh, the other bit of acquisition news is that uh, Totem, which I mentioned earlier, playing the director's new films, the Lila Aviles film, that also was picked up uh, by uh, Janice and Sideshow, the, you know, EO, Drive My Car team uh, of distributors. Uh, and they also say that that'll be coming out by the end of this year which is nice because I do feel like there have been times where like a movie that gets pretty good reviews from a director who's not as well known just like at Berlin just like sits on the shelf for over a year uh, so the plan at least currently is not to do that for that film and generally Janice seems like they've been doing a pretty good job of like getting movies out within a year. I mean, another one is like, uh, you know, even Alcaraz uh, took a pretty long time. Right. It's only like just won the Golden you know. Bear. Yeah, it was. I think the the theatrical release date was January sixth. I want to say, but that might just be a, a date that comes easily to mind. Sure. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, early in January, Alcaraz was released. <laughs> theatrically and then is on movie now and i think that movie is you know i, I don't love it i think it's all right but i haven't checked it out uh yet. it is like yeah exactly it is just like the longer these movies sit on the shelf i feel like the less urgency it feels like there is to check them out uh so yeah again uh i nothing else in you know I, i'm sure 
interesting things will be unearthed. I mean, the the Teddy winner, which is the uh, queer top prize at Berlin, uh, given out by an independent jury. That was in Panorama. That went to a movie by a first-time Nigerian filmmaker called uh, named Babatunde Apalowo, and the film is called All the Colors of the World Are Between Black and White. Uh, and then they gave out a documentary prize, which went to Orlando. Uh, but yeah, then in the forum... Uh, there are, I mean, there's a few movies that I've, a couple movies that I've seen, or several. There's several, I mean, there's, I've I've talked about Concrete Valley and Horse Opera, which were both at TIFF on the, uh, podcast before, but then I guess there's three new premieres, uh, that I've seen from the forum section, the one that I know you've seen, Andy, is about 30, but I have no idea what you thought of that. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. Yeah. Um, It, you know, I thought, I think this is maybe an obvious comparison. I thought a lot about Worst Person of the World when I was watching it. It is sort of that, like, that, like, you know... It's it's about being like in your early thirties or whatever, and like uh-huh. trying to figuring out like, am I on the path that I want to be on, and like, have I decided <laughs> yeah. like what I want to yeah. make out of my life? That sort of that sort yes. of ponderousness, you know. I'm sure. thirty three. Yeah. It's like it's well primed to hit mm-hmm. me, uh, well, mm-hmm. and I think it's like it's I think it's very fun. It's I laughed at least yeah. once or twice. Yes, um, it's a very winning yeah. lead I performance. Yeah. Yes, um, it is. It's directed. It's or starring the yes. director, uh, Martin Shanley. Yes, uh, but yeah, uh, is a character named Arturo, and I guess also similarly to um, uh, Worst Person in the World, also is like pretty specific structurally. Uh, you know, doesn't quite have chapters, but right. it is. Yeah, the, 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 yes, I did. It's a yeah. really the structure stuff is like was maybe my favorite thing about it because like yeah. it is not too forward with it like it does it's not putting up like mm-hmm. it's it's giving you enough clues to sort of hang on but you really are like putting together all the pieces of like what happened in the past and what is happening now like yeah. throughout the whole story like it's not like you everything falls into the in, into the place and then the last act is like like everything like it's right. really throughout the whole thing that you're still like putting together what this whole story is and like what the whole yeah right like so yeah i mean it is like it's structured around uh a wedding that he's attending Mm -hmm. uh so like uh, you know the 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 person who the wet whose wedding it is is his friend is in some of the flashbacks but i feel like one of the less important people maybe we get like less she, of a like, you're right she oh, has like, some fun moments is, but she's certainly not yeah like, she yeah. has but it's like yeah there's less of, it's less there's it, it it just like is not it never feels like as an important a relationship as some of the other relationships no although he does uh, refer he to her as with, like his best friend at one point right when he's yeah i guess so when he's stuck outside of a yeah <laughs> oh right yes yeah um but yeah so it is it's 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 and is also structured around his journal that he writes, um, uh, and so is just you know cutting back and forth between uh, this wedding and uh, different you know right. things from the last like ten ish years. Often the cut to another scene will be like. As he is entering right. some sort of life-threatening, yeah, a, a weird cliffhanger of like, like, oh, is that the moment yeah, of his like, death? Is that like why we're flashing back or right. whatever? Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it does it enough times where you're just like, oh no, this is just that's just the insane thing that right, he thinks yeah. is funny. Well, and then it yeah. nicely it, like it transfers from like mortal physical danger to like emotional like right. danger uh-huh. that he's Carol. in, like yes. yeah. Um, which I think is like right where there's a moment where he's yeah there's a moment where he's like I cannot talk about this thing that I did let's do another flashback yeah there is you know another funny thing is that you do pretty quickly realize that this wedding is happening in 
early yes, March it's, it's, of 2020. It, it, the, so it's never quite God, like hitting the, you yeah. over the head with the COVID stuff. But it's so great. A scene where I, there's like close-ups of they're in this very cramped car and the windows are right. closed and then someone's like, Someone oh, has a, I'm so thirsty. Right. And the person oh, takes out water, takes a drink of it themselves. Then or extremely the dry cough. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the cough. Yeah, so... That the COVID stuff is very funny. That it, I do feel like there, we've seen plenty of depict uh, fictional depictions of COVID in film. I don't feel like that like very beginning. Yeah, has the, been the, mine yeah those like much. those those two weeks where it was like, are yeah, we, is, two weeks is where, it okay for us to be people... doing anything? Right, or where people will very confidently be like, oh, we won't be thinking about this at all in two months. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's great. But I, I, you know, it is also a fun performance. It is also a movie that, like, is a queer film, but it that is not clear about that for, like, half of the runtime. Like, you eventually realize that he's gay and it goes into right. relationships that he's Well, and it's, yeah, and it's not really men, about his, like, including a trans right. man. It's not any. It's not really about any of his like romantic relationships right. either. Like yeah. that's just like it's part not, of his Yeah, it's backstory. not super about that. And yeah, that's the thing is, it's not like oh, this is a like queer thing. Someone is just like oh, this guy is gay, and so the relationships that it's going over are with men. Uh, but yeah, so that is I. I you know, it's another place where I like appreciated that kind of light touch mm-hmm. with that. So yeah, that's a movie that. Uh, is like very easy to recommend even to people who yeah. aren't like it's a real easy watch yeah I think person, like, like I could even see it like as, getting yeah. some crossover like people like absolutely like, like really it, as long as you it. can make it over the bridge of it has subtitles yeah. I feel like you know this movie could just like be on Netflix and you could tell your parents like oh this is really funny you know you can get a little look at what it's like to be a millennial yeah uh, um, yeah, strong recommend from me for sure. Yeah, uh, that's about thirty. Is the title of that film. Uh, and so then, yeah, the other couple movies that I've seen. Uh, there's another one that I wrote a review of that just went up today as we're recording, called "Our Body uh, Notes by Corps by uh, Claire Simone. That that one I also think is like really, really excellent. Um that is uh uh quite long it's a little under three hours uh in the gynecology wing of a hospital in paris uh and so i think those two things i you know i have i did it in my review but have also seen other critics that i have since read uh, including erica balsam wrote a really good piece on both our body and orlando that i think the two you immediately think of Dehumani Corporis Fabrica, which was out last year when you hear hospitals, and then you think of Wiseman when you hear re- documentary. But it, you know, there are similarities in some ways. There is not nearly as much surgery footage, but there is some, and there's no, like, you know, hiding from the graphicness of that, but it's not structured around it, and, like, but, you know, it's also not as institutional as the Wiseman documentaries it is it's not following specific people but it does feel much more uh involved in like the specific interpersonal dynamics on a scene-by-scene basis more than any uh institutional study but I do just think that movie is really really good and I think it you know there's a a sort of you know there there is a surprising thing that happens in the last hour that I think uh puts things in different perspectives I think it is another you know that's a movie that I'm sure will be much harder to see that I you know I don't I I saw uh I want to talk about Dara her previous movie which is a docudrama uh, based entirely on transcripts, uh, and I don't think that ever got any kind of U.S. distribution. There is maybe more, like, clear social importance on which you could conceivably sell this movie, but I don't know. Uh, oh, and the, by the way, the Erica Balsam review that I mentioned is in the film comment letter, uh, and so also on their website, and I know she also did an interview that I have not gotten a chance to read yet, but am excited to read now on the last movie that I've seen, 
which is a film by Luke Fowler called Being in a Place, a Portrait of Margaret Tate, uh, which I was interesting to go in really yeah, I was aware I think that Margaret Tate was if not a filmmaker an artist and that it was that the film was working from her archive uh but it is the the end title card finally reveals that it is in some ways based on uh I guess like an autobiographical film that she had proposed to the BBC towards the end of her life and was never or uh, no, not to the BBC, there, there is BBC, but to uh, Channel 4, I think, that was never able to make. Uh, and so, is working from, uh, I think, some of her archive that was maybe thought to be lost, and also just, like, stuff that uh, was cut out of other films that she had made. Uh, but yeah, I do, it's very... I think she was also maybe a poet. There, There's... Uh, some of the audio sounds like she is reading poetry, or at the very least is, like, talking about her filmmaking practice in a way that is very poetic, but then also she explicitly talks about the poetic potential of cinema and how she is more interested in that than the sort of didactic, informational, or uh, ways in which it's used. There's a, There's a scene towards the end where she just, like, lists, like, these are all of the directors who have made a film that not necessarily influenced me as a filmmaker, but had an impact on me. And then she gets at the end and she's like, I don't think there's any British filmmakers. Uh, she, she is uh, Scottish. And so that is, you know, part of it is just like the footage is all from Scotland. It's very pretty, which is another thing she talks about of like, it's very tempting to be like, oh, I'm just out in Scotland, everything's so pretty, I'll just shoot everything. And she's like, I'm kind of glad that I never had the resources to do that, which then very much becomes a thing that, even less than, like, her talking about the sort of lack of resources that she was dealing with, you more like, uh, you know, it seems like she it was something that she didn't even necessarily want to talk about so much as, uh, it also fits in, like, correspondence that she had with various producers, which is where the BBC comes in, and, like, budgets that she laid out of, like, you do get an idea of, like, how much just economic, her economic situation affected her career. And, like, you know, it, it is referenced a couple of times. I think she very briefly mentions it in one of the audio clips. And then there's an interview where someone mentions that uh, she had been a doctor uh, before she was a filmmaker. Uh, so left that career uh, in order to become a filmmaker. And, like, you also see, like, uh, I think, she, they, like, one of the proposals she's sending, she's like, I have never made a film that's made money, and then she, very specifically she'll be like, this movie costs 750 pounds and I have made 22 pounds back. Um, so it is, it, you know, it's very sort of loose and poetic in its structure, but I did, you know, it's not, you know, I'm never like, oh, I have this very clear idea of who this woman was and what her art was like. I don't know that, it, you know, it's certainly not a thing that the film is trying to do. I don't know that it's a thing that the film could do. Uh, and, like, it made me interested to be like, oh, uh, are her movies available to, like, see more of what she was like as a filmmaker. So that is another movie that, uh, I guess I just responded to it and had not thought, or just saw it and had not thought through much of my response to it. I guess I like that movie a lot as well. Uh, so a strong forum. There's stuff in the forum that I've heard good stuff about that I'd still like to see. I know Barack Chevik, who we've maybe talked about some of his shorts, has a short feature. There's a new James Benning. Uh, so yeah, this continues to just be a festival that has, like, several sections in which there is uh, consistently very strong work. So yeah, I think that is Berlin for the year, unless there's any late-breaking screeners we might happen to receive, or, you know, there'll, I'm sure there will continue to be 
distribution news about some of these movies. Uh, and, you know, if you're looking at my stuff in, in Review Online, there's, uh, I think, a few reviews from people who are at the festival and able to see some of the movies that weren't being sent out. But, uh, you know, a pretty wide range of coverage. Uh, there were two special issues just on Berlin, and then the regular Friday issue from last week also has a bunch of Berlin coverage in it. So, yeah, there is... That's one place uh, where you can see some of my writing and uh, some more writing. But, yeah, a bunch of film comment stuff. Uh, I know they were podcasting, which I... You know, I've hit a point where I generally don't listen to podcasts about a festival until we've talked about it. Right. Because I don't want to just be like, oh, this person on this other podcast said, but... Sure. They did a bunch of podcasts. Nicholas Ripold did some podcasts. Uh, so, if you want to hear from people who are actually at Berlin and able to see even more films, there's some resources. But I, uh, you know... Just from, like, the little bit I saw, it feels like a very strong festival to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, because it's, like, it's not the super high-profile one, right? So it's, like, it's a lot of yes. stuff that, like, people really have to champion for you to hear about it. And I do think that's, yeah. like, there's exciting that it, I think there is stuff that people are, are doing that for, so... uh and, you know, that that does remind me that, uh, you know, like, you're right that it is not as high profile. And there are uh, a number of movies that were at Berlin that are among my favorites of last year that have still not had any sort of distribution. But the one that recently uh, we heard some more about is Queens of the Qing Dynasty, uh, which we saw at TIFF. Uh, and I think you've talked about some. That movie... I think is being distributed in Canada this month. I think there's stuff around, like, the Canadian film awards. You have to come out by March to be uh, considered for those. Uh, and so MDFF, which uh, has done screenings at TIFF, but also has been producing and distributing more widely recently, they are putting it out in Canada. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's great that people can see it there. Uh, a Canadian filmmaker, Ashley McKenzie, but it's too bad that it still doesn't have any kind of distribution in the United States. And shortly thereafter, it was announced that Factory 25 is like a very small boutique-y uh, distributor. They put out the Color Wheel years ago. Uh, they are going to be putting that out in the United States later this spring. Uh, so that is a movie that... Uh, I'm glad more pe you know more people will get to see soon. Uh, yeah, it is, I guess the main things are like two of my top ten movies from last year came specifically from Encounters, and the other one is Coma, which also still does not have any sort of dis. You know, I I think I've already said like I am just assuming at this point that that will pop up on movie at some point uh, with sure. no announcement, and then I guess. Uh, the other Berlin movie that I really like that also is in that sort of, like, it has distribution, but they're just holding on to it, is uh, I know Kim Stim is going to put out The Passengers of the Night, which is a film of uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg that was in competition that I think is really phenomenal as well. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Um, Berlin, we'll be talking about these movies, as you can hear, for... Yeah quite a while the other thing i will say uh, is that i did um i did quite enjoy the footage that was going around of uh spielberg accepting his like honorary mm. silver bear um he you know he he made a very nice speech i think he like he talked about like he got political and talked about like how germany has like looked at its past evils and stuff in a way that like america could learn from which i thought was fun uh i mean you know it was, it was uh, uh <laughs> interesting to hear someone say that uh, especially in his position, uh, he spoke a little German at the end, which was cool. Um, it, it's yeah, I, I love seeing him accept awards. He's he always is like it clearly is actually meaningful to him, which uh, I think is great for someone who's had as much success as he has. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if that's something that you sound like you would be interested in, I do recommend seeking it out and, and checking it out. There, I saw like. Yeah, th there had been some cutting down. I'm not sure how much exact, how long the like the actual full speech was, 
Um, yeah, some it might just be on their YouTube channel. Probably, they were posting yeah. a lot of those like press conferences and ceremonies and things like that. I think you know a lot of them were live streamed, and I think a lot of the live streams have stayed up for. Yeah. You. Um. And yeah, I know. Like, yeah, there was he the press conference where he like made news for again saying that they're trying to make the Kubrick <laughs> right. Napoleon or whatever. Um. We'll see if that ever happens. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Berlin in, uh, it, it happens, it happened and we covered it and we're going to keep talking about it. Yep. Do you want to get into special presentations? Um, I can start. Yeah, go, you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got, I guess I've got a couple of things that I could talk about, but one of them is a little more abstract and could maybe use a little more time in the hopper so i'll just say i until a few minutes ago was just gonna be like oh i haven't seen any movies that weren't berlin movies but there is a movie that i watched very much on a whim uh over the weekend after our friend past and future guest uh jack reed posted a clip from it uh uh, which is Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Uh, it was a very quick turnaround that we posted uh, a clip and I was like, ooh, this is real funny. I forgot that this movie existed because it was on Paramount+. Plus. I should just watch it right now. And then I did that and the rest of the movie is as funny. Uh, I, I mean, it is just, it is probably the funniest movie that I've seen from last year. I... I, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead do America, but Beavis and Butthead, they're, you know, I've seen some of the old MTV show. They're real funny guys. Uh, Cornholio pops up. Beavis falls in love with Siri. Uh, you know, great stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Long scene set in a urinal where they do a lot of traveling. Really stupid guys. Mm-hmm. Andy? Uh, sure. Uh, speaking of a uh, friend of the show, past future guest Jack Reed, I recently <laughs> uh, sat down and watched a movie with with Jack. We watched it virtually. We didn't. We weren't speaking or anything, but we were in constant communication and watching at the same time. And that movie, of course, was She Said, um, which played at New York last year. Uh, I had been meaning to get around to it. Uh, I think it's, like, actually, like, really good and really solid. Uh, Every every 20 minutes, some great new guy shows up to be in it for a little while. Uh, Zach Grenier. um, There's, like, yeah, there's all sorts of great character actor performances in it. Um, I think Zoe Kazan is, like, a really terrific actress, and I I think it's great to see her have the lead of a movie. Um, uh, Yeah, it's really great. uh, and I think it's wor- well worth watching. It's uh, streaming now on Peacock. Uh, they got the whole, you know, the whole 4K experience up there. Uh, it it really, I think, delivers on that sort of like, you know, it's it's really is just like the story. It doesn't it doesn't really um, drag at all for me. It is a little long. You get James Johnson playing Donald Trump uh, in a voice only cameo. Uh, Frank Woods in it like it's just got it's got a lot of stuff that I think is really good and it's like really basic just sort of well-executed storytelling um Ashley Judd plays herself and says some very interesting lines in it um uh yeah worth checking out if you missed it because I think it got a little bit uh swept under the rug uh she said uh I read the book The Post Office Girl by Stefan Schwieg. Uh It's gonna be the new, the next uh, Terrence Davis movie, which mm-hmm. is what made me want to read it. And I was just also curious about Schwieg because he, I don't know, I've, I think I've circled around a lot of stuff that he sort of inspired and or mm-hmm. like was involved in. I was like, he was a big inspiration for Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a movie I love. Oh, and uh, it's a good, very good book. We'll say that it uh, struck a chord with me, it like, struck a nerve with me. It really uh, 
hit me in a mental space that I am very much a, if I it's hard to describe but it just was like very much getting out of my system a lot of stuff that I had in, I've had in my brain recently and with how I've been feeling about stuff so I was appreciative of the novel for that and wow that's quite a coincidence I was like wasn't there a movie about Dvig that was a fiction film uh, several years ago? Uh, and there was in 2016. And I was like, I feel like it's a director who I've heard of. That director is Maria Schrader, director of She Said. Hey. Uh, that's our Herald. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, we're here every week. <laughs> we sure are. We got a banger coming uh, next week, maybe? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's right. Absolutely. And I'm going to cut it off right there and throw in the Cullen plugs. All right. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, you can do it at C-I-K-I Pod. If you'd like to donate any money to us, you can do so at coffee.com slash can I, ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to email us in, you can do that at canikickitpod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, Andy is at AndyTGerm. I'm at Cladley. Emilio is I'm Laugh Alone. And Jesse is JCP Glake Weber with two Bs.